it's on on there go this is my don't get mad get even shirt when they did this indictment and stuff with Trump all right that's done I'm going to donate to his campaign. I hadn't actually done that all this time. So. And I got the T-shirt. So I like that. Don't get mad. Get even. <laughs> Isn't it funny? We watch this craziness. His numbers just keep going up. <laughs> keep the faith. I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know. Don't have it figured out, but uh, it's pretty cool. Um, do you happen to have the check for me? This is my Vanna. Thank you, Vanna. Um, over the last year, we... Uh, made a decision to start tithing from the church. We hadn't done that. And um, it's kind of a big decision. There's never money for that, so you have to just grit your teeth and go, going to do this. So so we did. Faithfully, every quarter, we sent out a check um, to several ministries. It's been, it's been basically uh, mostly to Elijah Streams. And um, so we sent out the last check uh, for the last quarter. It was $4,000. And... Uh, just taking 10% of our general income and sowing it into this. And, and the reason, one of the things, the fire behind this for me was um, when, I've, when I come up against a frustration, a need, and it's a frustration because you don't know how to deal with the need. You can't. And you've got to be careful with that. Uh, our American mindset is to work harder or scheme more, come up with a plan, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, I bumped into this a couple times, like with the worship team when I needed stuff, and I'm like, you, you can get frustrated, like, I don't know why we do, but we do, you know. And, and, uh, um, and I came to the conclusion back then, and it's been well over a year ago, um, I'm going to sow into the need that I have, and... Um, there was, there was some money that I think Diane had said, hey, there's money here for something, you know, and, and I'm not sure what to do with it. I said, yeah, give me that, give me that. And uh, instead of using it for specific things, I decided to sow it as a seed. And uh, did that, put some other money together. I think we came up with $800 or something, sowed, and it was specifically for the worship team for the things that I needed, sowed for that. And uh, wow, I just got so much more than that back. Just really cool how that worked out. And so the same way with the church. And for the whole church, I've been sowing for this, uh, for uh, what comes next, to sowing into what's beyond me, sowing into uh, resources and people that, that need to rise up. And I want to see, and I can't manufacture and make that happen. And one of the big burdens on my heart has been uh, that we have a youth group and a youth leader. We've had different, we've had some things before, not never normal youth groups, but the youth group we have ends up being our young adults and our, you know, middle-aged adults here, here at the church because instead of having normal youth group meetings, they would gather in the tent and, and worship, put on worship music, and, and that was their, the main thing that they did. 
they fellowshiped together and did some things, but it, it just wasn't the fun and games type of type of, of meeting. And there'd be often 25, 30 of them more gather in the in the tent when we still had it. And uh, it would be the precursor. They would meet on Saturday nights and to our Sunday morning services. And uh, I always knew like that. That's the fire between our behind our services uh, was them gathering and worshiping and things that they did. So, um, one of the things, the results that has come out of me sowing last year, um, was that, uh, I, I had, I, I've been this thing about the youth leader. Do I hire somebody? Do I figure this out? I just felt stuck about it. Nothing felt right. Like all kinds of ideas, but nothing was right. And, um, all of a sudden this, like, you know how it's often something right in front of your face, but you didn't see it, you know? And, um, so, Someone pointed to, uh, it was actually to, to Jesse and to Tom Muck, and I went, huh. So I prayed about it for a while, and we were, when we were out in um, Colorado last October, um, Phyllis and I, I just kind of pitched it to them, and um, Tom didn't say no. I was like, that's good, that's, that's good, you know, that's a good, this is, yeah, that's very hopeful. <laughs> Just looked at me and with that Tom look, you know, and, and um, so uh, we just t- took it slow. And I waited a few months, got back to him. How are you feeling about that? What do you think? Da, da, da. And um, we, we're rolling this out slowly, but he's agreed. Tom and Jesse have agreed to take on the youth, and so um, that's that's been coming. We've been we met and talked, and they we have kind of a vision. They're going to share that next week. But I wanted to announce that that's one of the things that came out of me tithing. Like those are the kind of things I'm looking for. I'm looking for the health of the church. I'm looking for uh, our finances to be healthy, of course. But um, I, I really believe in this principle of of sowing, sowing and harvest, seed and harvest, and. Uh, that was that's the kind of results. Those are the things. Like this is big. So I think you guys are going to have your next meeting next this next weekend, some sometime soon, at the end of this month, anyways. Yeah, yeah. So with their with their little group and their gathering. But I've got favor from the leadership for them, uh, favor from all the parents of the kids, and so um, that's that's an amazing that's an amazing thing. So um, so. Um, yeah, we just, uh, last week we, um, last, no, not last week, but from the last quarter, I finally got, um, got that check and, um, and we sewed it and, um, it was very significant. It was, it was $4,000. And when I sewed that money, it was to something very specific. That number was very, very important. And, uh, it had caught my attention. I'm like, and, and it's back to this thing about believing and, Either you either you come up to crisis moments, you come up to things, and you're going to do one of two things: you're going to either try to figure out how to fix it, and in in whatever your ways are, usually that goes to your default things, and be careful that you're not listening to to lies about what you should always do when things go bad. Okay, like if you're a family, like what what is what's the first thing that happens when you're short? Like someone in the household needs to get another job, right? And you know, it's like let's work harder. And uh, I'm like, 
be careful with that. Like, I've got caught up in that, and uh, you're working harder and not necessarily making more, like, uh, or life starts to cost more. It just, you've got to be really careful. You've got to treat these things with prayer. And uh, more money isn't always the answer. You're like, oh, want to bet? It would really help, you know, that thing. <laughs> but not necessarily. What matters is getting in this position where you're being blessed by the Lord. And um, his favor will carry your $1 bill so much further than working hard and having $2, you know. And so um, last, uh, it was um, a couple weeks ago that I sowed that and made a choice, made a really important choice, decision to not go where my mind was going, more sacrifice, more work, whatever, and, and put this, sow this, and, and, uh, and believe. And it was hard for me to get to that point. It was a hard moment. It was my message from last week, that thing about uh, I'd rather sacrifice more, I'd rather hit my, you know, the old uh, Catholic thing where you've, you know, flog yourself with, you know, the cat of nine tails or do something like that. Punish yourself. It's just like, what's, what's up with that, you know? And, um, yeah. Where does that come from? It comes from this, some lie, some thing that you think you should punish yourself, like you should do something different. And uh, I was face-to-face with, do I do that or do I believe for supernatural provision. And all of a sudden it hit me. I've got that check that I need to sew. And it's all about it's all about how you give and what you do. Like that's I always encourage people, don't don't give money just out of obligation. Like it needs to be in faith. And it needs from be, be from a cheerful heart. That's why I hate the coercion and the manipulation when it comes to money and ministry and stuff. Like people will give freely when they when they feel that, like they want to invest. They'll they'll give freely. They'll give much more actually. And um, so I always want you, and I always want you to be blessed when you tithe. I want you to do, and I want you to, your household to be blessed. I don't want you to. Uh, be going the other direction. I, I want there to be a result of being blessed. I didn't always believe that way. I was a more of a, uh, I'm not going to, I'm going to do this and I don't expect anything in return. That was kind of what I felt was my religious duty. It's that whole mindset, you know. And uh, you start to believe that there's a, a reciprocal thing where the Lord challenges us. He's like, test me in this. Give me my, what I'm asking for and see if I won't open windows of, from heaven on you. Like, pour out things and pour out favor on you. And so um, it was very, like, very significant last week I sowed that. To, and then, then today I've got another $2,500 check. And so uh, we're going to send this again to Elijah Ministries. It, they have just, Steve Schultz has just blessed me. And he has people in his face threatening him and saying all kinds of things. It's amazing. He just stands. And right now, and he has all of these prophetic people and the words that, that, he's, uh, that he releases and the prophetic people that he's giving uh, an audience to. And so it consistently is, it just nurtured my heart and ministered to me with all the, all the things and people that we have. And he pays a price for it. 
And it's like, I just, right now, it's where my heart is to, to sow into. We're not obligated to stick with anything, but we're doing that. So pray with me. Father, as we sow this seed, we're sowing for our church, for our future, for the things that matter, that are in your control and out of our control. And Father, also, we just want to bless Elijah Streams and Steve Schultz and, and all the people that are at work with him, that they will have more than enough to accomplish your purpose. And when we sow into them and into their ministry, I just believe that we are receiving back for the souls that we're sowing into, for the ministry we're sowing into, for this prophetic word being released and the prophetic words being released that encourage our hearts and give us hope in these days. And we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to John chapter 8, verse 31. We're going to talk about the promised land. <clears throat> promised land. So in John chapter 8, I've got to get there myself. I ran into the scripture and I've been having these thoughts, and here it was in words written out. In John 8, starting in verse 31. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. For if you embrace the truth, it will release true freedom into your lives. Surprised by this, they said, but we're the descendants of Abraham and we're already free. We've never been in bondage to anyone how could you say that we will be released into more freedom? Jesus responds, I, I speak eternal truth, Jesus said. When you sin, you are not free. You have become a slave in bondage to your sin, and slaves have no permanent standing in a family like a son does, for a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free from sin, then become a true son and be unquestionably free. So um, let's see, where did I want to stop at? Yeah, that's where I want to stop. So the reason this is so significant was this answer from the Jews, we're not under bondage. And we're going to look at um, the book of Joshua. You can turn there. I'm going to flip Bibles here. Go to my new King James and in Joshua 1, we, we see Joshua coming into the promised land, which we're real familiar with. We're familiar with the terminology, the promised land. We know what that means. And um, I was reading something, and uh, this stuck out all of a sudden. Like, I went, whoa. Whoa. The promised land is simply that it is promised, not necessarily obtained or possessed. It's promised. Your inheritance, if you have an inheritance, 
it's promised. But there's a difference between the promise and moving in or receiving your inheritance where you now possess your inheritance. You have maybe a, uh, a relative or some, someone has to die or uh, release that. And so you wait until that time. And then if things are in order, you get it released. Usually you don't have to fight for it because we supposedly live in this civilized culture. If you're receiving land or property, you don't usually have to go run the illegals off the property or the enemy out of, out of the land to, to get it. And so we can romanticize about what the promised land is. It's a nice island in the Caribbean. <laughs> Beautiful weather, you know. No dangerous animals, you know, it's like this. It's, it's, it's a, a blessed place. It's a neat place. And the Israelites had this promise. It's a land, when they went and spied, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, right? And so have that, and yet listen to the language as God himself begins to speak to this new leader, Joshua. And he begins with a relatively uh, blunt statement. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. That's kind of an interesting way to start. Think. Moses is dead. But it was a marker. Moses is dead, and now something, something radically changes. You are going to get commissioned, Joshua, to lead my people into the promised land. But you see here, there's, um, if you're giving your children someone or something or you're giving someone something, uh, you don't you, do you not like your teenager gets the car to drive or whatever, you know? If you're any kind of parent at all, along with that came lectures and threats and all kinds of things, okay? Like, because you realize what you're giving them and you realize Think about this, be careful with this, because this thing that's a blessing can also get you in a lot of trouble. It can also be a lot of problems. And he begins to talk strongly to Joshua. And of course, I'm familiar with this passage. I've read it you know, so many times through my life. And I see, I can't get beyond though, the instructions to a young leader. The instructions you kind of personally take, be strong, be courageous. You know, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Good leadership stuff, right? But when you realize what's really at stake here, that the big picture is you need to inherit, you need to move into possession of that which is promised, that's actually the story of our Christian walk, isn't it? I mean, even your salvation, it's freely given. You can't work for it, can't earn it. And yet you find yourself at some phase or another having to contend to enter into that promise of freedom in Christ, yeah? Like, that's the whole thing of coming to Jesus is to be free from sin, not in bondage anymore. To be free from things, from people, from that, 
from threats, from fear. There's this big part of this is that in Jesus we're free. He paid the price. No more punishment. And yet here we are dealing with condemnation. We deal with fear. We deal with mindsets. And this is why I started out with John 8, is that one of the big problems with Israel, they didn't even realize they had this problem, is that they had been slaves. And along with that comes a whole mentality. You don't think like a free person. And God's really pushing on them, like shaking them here at this the onset. And, and to Joshua, You're, you've got to go in and inherit this land. And you can't do it haphazardly. There was even a purpose that, he didn't, that God didn't bring them here before he did. Lest they become afraid of the war, of the of the fight and go back to Egypt, right? He made sure that they burned that bridge, that little thing there, the parting of the Red Sea and Pharaoh and all that, you know, and it kind of made it so that we're not going to ever go back there, are we? No. It's like that, that bridge is burnt. That's over. And there's not even a temptation to go back. Show your face back there again, and they will definitely kill you just coming back. And I wonder how often the Lord doesn't put us in a position where there just is no going back. And we're struggling and things are happening. We're trying to understand, trying to figure out. But he's, he prepares us for the promise. It's that little simple story about the chick. If you try to help the chick, the peep, break out of its own shell, if you do some of the work for it, it'll die. Because breaking out of that shell is what strengthens it enough to be able to survive into the next day and the next day and the next day. It has to. It needs that struggle to get strength so that it can survive outside of the shell. We don't like that part of the story. But the struggles of life and having to contend for things absolutely make you start to appreciate things and going after it and needing to believe and needing to walk the line. Um, in the introduction of Joshua in my Bible, it says that Joshua is going to be this, he's this young, capable leader. Victory, they're going to learn this though. Victory comes through faith in God and obedience in his word rather than through military might and numerical superiority. And so the story of them coming into the promised land wasn't because they were strong or capable or able. It was because they, had, they were going to have to have faith. It was a necessitate that they would have faith and that they would obey. That they would do what the Lord said to do, no matter how foolish and silly it was. And so before us in our whole life and we stumble over this, is this necessity of learning how to wait on the Lord, learning how to obey his spirit, and not relying in your own strength. Relying in him, waiting for him, entering into the things that he opens the door for. Your life will look so different, won't it, if you wait on that and you, and you follow him and you do what he's saying to do. And you start receiving things, only there's this definite earmark about it that the Lord is the one that provided. 
And sometimes I'll watch people that are, um, it's not even a bad thing. There's something they, they want and, and it's like kind of over their head. And, and so you go, wow, you know, and yet you watch, I've learned to watch, and I watch that some of these, like, but it's on their heart. They want something in particular, something that's on their heart to, to obtain, to get. And because of the struggle, the challenge, I, me being a good, you know, smart, wise pastor, whatever, et cetera, et cetera, I'd be like, oh, don't, don't try to do that. That's going to be hard. That's going to be difficult. That's over your head. That's whatever, you know. Wouldn't you say that? Like, isn't that wisdom? And yet, we don't know what the Lord sets in someone's heart and that he's the one that's going to provide to make it happen. And, it, and leaving me going, wow, that's amazing. And, and there's, so there's something here that the Lord, it's not about even being practical about things. It's about hearing from the Lord, following your heart, to be a, a desire in your heart to go after something don't be afraid. Like, only be afraid of the Lord. Only be afraid of violating something with him. But wait on him and let him open doors. So it begins with Joshua. And he's, he's like, Moses is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go this, uh, over this Jordan, which was the marker um, in verse 2. You and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. So everything's going to get fulfilled, and there's something very significant about setting your foot on it. Like, that's huge. Don't just stay over here on this side of the river and dream about it. If you get conditioned enough in this life and this culture you, everything will be a dream, and you'll find yourself not, will, not taking any risks and not stepping across the line. And while the Christian walk is all about risks, and you'll ask yourself a thousand times, what if I crash and burn? <laughs> what if? <laughs> what if? Every good risk has a lot of what ifs in it, doesn't it? And yet, to be this person that has this, like, I didn't shy away from the desire of my heart, and I didn't shy away from what the Lord held out before me and indicated in one way or another, this is yours. Come and get it. Come after it. And so, he, he continues on. Going, Every place your foot treads... From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Like, whew, that's a lot. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. So you're going to get this. I'm promising this. I'll be the one that makes sure it happens. But you are going to have to cross that river. You are going to have to cross over and step into it. And we know the story of the 10 spies. You know, it was just Joshua 
And Caleb came back with a, hey, we're going to be giant killers because they noticed there were some giants living in that land. That's a good reason to go, oh, I don't know. Our children won't be safe there. Nothing will be safe there if we go into that land. I mean, we learn. I'll just throw this out. Do you know how badly we've been conditioned in our culture? There, we're so fearful of losing certain things that we stop, stop living. And I'm not talking about breaking laws. I'm just talking about being truly free. And we're observing this right now. You say the wrong thing. And your bank may dump you. And that's happening right now. Patriots. God-fearing, law-abiding patriots. Boom, your account's gone. We want you out. We're done with you. They do that and so much more. And it, what is it doing? It conditions you, like we have a constitutional right for, to have free speech. Yet you get conditioned, be careful what you say. Actually, it's a big deal right now. It has been, and now it's escalated. We're really getting to see this. Uh, and the question that only you can answer between you and the Lord is, how afraid are you to speak the truth and to speak what needs to be spoken at the right time? Because we get so conditioned and pretty soon we value all of our things around us and the love of those things and protecting them causes us to kind of fall in line. Don't cross the lines. Don't make certain people uncomfortable with you. And pretty soon we're afraid to share what we believe. What's up with that really? But the fear is real. The apprehension is real. And we've become so conscious, and we have all of these, uh, these modern-day social network things, and they, they heighten our awareness of people's opinions. And if you lose people's favor, you have, you'll, you'll punish for it. Are you willing to pay that price? Do you really trust the Lord, or are you going to be careful with what you do and how you do so you don't lose that thing? It's, it's still here. So Israel had to step into this thing that was promised. Their, it's their land. It was promised to them. It was granted to them, but they had to cross this Jordan. It's so symbolic. They had to cross this river to enter in. And so the Lord is like a good parent. I mean, he's really, he's really having one of those finger-pointing Tapping Joshua in the chest, get strong. You know, it's a neat fatherly picture. Like, get strong, get tough. Like, you want that for your son your son, and your daughters. Like, you want them to be strong. You want them to go after things and be confident. You, you, if you're watching them and they're meek and they're timid and they're backing off, you're like, no, don't do that. Like, I mean, what, what good father doesn't want to find out that their little boy pounded somebody because they pushed on him too much. You know, it's like, oh, son, you shouldn't do that. I'm really glad you did it. Mothers are the same way. Johnny, you know you're not supposed to do such and such. But mom's like, yeah, well, you know. There, there, there's, that, there's that thing that you, you want them to be strong, though. You want them to be 
confident enough that they'll contend for what belongs to them, for what they have, for their territory, for their, their thing, their place. Verse 6, be strong and of good courage, and for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servants commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may deserve to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not committed, commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And this is a, it's a calling. It's a, it's a thing to stand in where you start, you get to the place, you truly believe the Lord is with you. Is that not what we battle all the time? And lies and different things are in our minds and we're struggling. Something starts to go wrong and we're, and we're second-guessing ourselves. We're reevaluating. We're switching up all the time. It's like it's much more important to be steadfast, stay focused, and truly stay in the confidence of the Lord. And I, I wow, I just wish I would have... Uh, had a lot more schooling on this from a fatherly influence where I would have listened to understand how important it was to be strong, to be courageous, to have confidence in, in being a son and being who you're called to be and standing in the place that you're standing in rather than this, this in and out and halfway like go when you need to go for it. And, and the Lord is just drilling Joshua about this. When you look at it from these eyes and you realize what they're about to step into, and if they don't go in big, go big or stay home. It's like there was no in-between. You either go, walk across, go across that, that river and you intend to own this land, or you will get eaten up, you'll get destroyed, you'll get beaten, you'll get defeated. I'll be with you, I'll make sure, I'm your guarantee. I'll make sure you win. Battles that you're even outnumbered in. Situations that are against you, I'll make sure you win because I'm with you. I'll have you do ridiculous things like march around a city seven times. I mean, what is that? What... What commander has that strategy in his book about how to conquer an enemy? And by the way, the seventh time, blow your horns, shofars, you know? And, and I'll give you this city. I'll give you this stronghold. Then Joshua commanded the officers of his people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over the Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites in the Gadites and half of the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. 
Your wives and your little ones and your livestock shall remain in the land which um, Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. So they were, they were leaving them for the moment so they could go in and take, take charge and take over this land. Then they would come back. And I'll skip down to um, uh, verse 16. So they answered Joshua saying, All that you command us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. So they're affirming him as their leader, which is very important. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words in all that you command him shall be put to death. Oh, ooh, this was serious. But they, they understood the seriousness of the situation. We have to be together. We have to do this together. We have to be all in. Uh, and we cannot afford to have someone doing their own thing as we, as we go into this. And so it's just the picture of this. It's the picture of what it takes to go in and to possess what is promised to you. So we get prophetic words. We get different promises. We get different things. We're all excited about it. Then the reality of walking into that comes. We're like, you know. We're moaning, we're groaning, we're whining, we're fearful, we're biting our nails. Checkbooks getting depleted, you know, the real stuff. Don't have money to pay for things. This is, you know. And, and we start to make stupid decisions to deliver ourselves. You want to be, you want to make a bigger mess than what you're in? Do that. Just ask Abraham, Ishmael. Like, wow. I know. Here's, here's how we can make this happen. Like, that's just stick to the plan, man. <laughs> and how much further ahead if we would just have the courage, like, I'm just going just gonna to stand. And sometimes at a certain point you have to do things. I, I get it. I don't have all the answers for it. It's not about that. It's about developing a, a heart and a mindset. Start believing in what God, God called you to do and that he will bless you in it and that you wait on the Lord. He'll, op he'll open the doors because there are enemies in the land and they'll... They'll beat you up one way or another, either by intimidation or they'll fire rockets at you or they'll, you know. There, there, are, there are giants in that land. There are enemies in this land. And we're like, Lord, why does it have to be that way? Why couldn't it just be like a vacation, you know, I'm going to? But he, he wants us to, to come into something and, and he wants us to own it like and if something just comes too easy, look, look at your kids, you know, if you watched your kids, your grandchildren, whatever. Anything that comes easy without price to them doesn't have value to them. It's, it's just a sad, it's just the reality. And so this is the tricky part about being a parent or being, you know, whoever, like you, you want to instill, you want to see them have value for things that 
have value. You want to see it have value to them. Why would the Lord be any different for us? And the things that we have to stand in and contend for and then we overcome, those are the things we really own. Like Then once we, ha- we, we nurture that, we take care of them. We care for them in a good way. It's precious to us what the Lord has given us. We're not, we're not so quick to just throw it off. We realize, no, this is something the Lord gave me. I'm not going to just sell it for a penny. You know, I'm not going to just, I'm not going to just let go of it easily. This is the position the Lord gave me. I'm not going to just walk away from it, act like you know I'm tired of this or whatever. Like what the Lord gives and provides, it has value. What He promises. Don't be surprised at the battle, at the struggle to possess that land. And you will have, my message from last week, it's about, you know, dealing with the impossible. And Jesus gave you permission to acknowledge that some things are impossible. And so I have an impossible list. And I bring that before the Lord. And with me, it's impossible. But for God, all things are possible. And so I rehearse this now, and I go through these impossible things. And surprisingly, the list can grow. <laughs> like, oh, oh, here's another thing that's actually impossible with me. But Jesus said, that's all right. I agree. It is impossible with man. But with me, all things are possible. Just stand there. You can't make it happen. You can't do anything other than obey the Lord. And it starts there by believing, standing face to face with what's presenting itself. And just believe. Just believe. Just stand. Don't have to strive. Don't have to just do whatever the Lord says to do, but just believe. And let's see what happens when we... I know... I know as I consider, I'm learning finally. When I try to deliver myself, a darkness comes over me, a heaviness, a oppression, depression. It settles in. But when I decide, no, I'm going to believe in this area, the light comes. Like it just, that, that heaviness just breaks off. And nothing has changed other than, I'm going to believe for this. I'm going to wait on the Lord for this. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stand here. Feels a little, but I feel life in it. That's how you can tell when you're on the right track. You start feeling alive again. There's a bounce back in your step. There's hope in your heart. Yes. And I'll wait on the Lord. And I'd rather something happen like in that place of waiting on the Lord. When it's truly, sincerely between you and him, I'm telling you, he won't disappoint. Whatever, however, he won't disappoint. You'll know I stood believing. I stood believing. I told that to Joel Reichlin. He's, you know, ministers healing. He did healing seminars with his wife, Dawn. 
She'd had a bout with cancer, then she had it again, got it again. And she has teenage daughters that are watching mommy die with cancer, but they're believing. And um, Joel says to me one day in the midst of this, he goes, I'm concerned, especially about the oldest daughter. She really believes her mom's going to be healed. He goes, I'm so afraid for her if she doesn't live. And in that case, she did not. She did die from the cancer. But I was able to get back to Joel, and I said, listen, I watch people live with regrets all the time. It, sometimes that never goes away. But one thing you don't have regret about when you gave it your all and you know that you, you went right to the end with believing, with doing the right thing, with standing in the right place, and then there's not regret on you. Jesus came and stood among them. See, he never left us. He said, peace be with you. And after this, he showed them his hands and his side. And they were overjoyed. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. With that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, their sins are not forgiven. You know, last week was such an awesome celebration of the resurrection here. And everything in Scripture points to that day, the, the birth of Jesus, his ministry, his miracles, his death on the cross, they're all, they aren't all the climax. The resurrection is, is, the, is the point of it all. And we celebrated it. And we dressed a little nicer and the church was a little fuller and we sang a little louder. We celebrated. After you come to such a, a an, um, a climax, a high point like that, when it's over, sometimes there's a, a falling away or, or a little bit of a letdown. You feel like maybe staying home and kicking your shoes off, but Jesus didn't kick his sandals off and stay at home. John said on the first day of the week, the very day that he rose, he showed up. He never left them. He was still with them and still for them, and he stood before them and said, peace be with you. When he showed them his hands and his side, they were overjoyed to see him, to be with him, to be comforted, know that he never left. Can you imagine the difference in feeling from <laughs> thinking he was gone to having him show up again? And we know that. And the very first thing John records after he breathes on, after Jesus breathes on him and gives him the Holy Spirit, he says they get a commission. They're told to forgive others of their sins. If, if, they're, if they're not telling other people about the forgiveness of sins through Jesus, then they don't receive it. So John said on that first day they received three things. They received peace, they received comfort, and they received a commission. And that's what I declare we receive at the communion table this morning. When you come forward and you receive the bread and the cup, you receive peace and you receive comfort.
and you receive forgiveness. We receive eternal life here at the table. And I ask you also to receive your commission because if we don't go and tell others about this new life, they receive nothing. So come forward. We have a table prepared with many things for us this morning. Declare it and receive it.